What is up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Bleeding BNG Podcast, episode 63. So today we're just going to give you a recap of Washington's second preseason game of the 2022 season, where they fall to the almighty Kansas City Chiefs, 24-17. And I promise you guys, today's podcast isn't going to be long, because I told myself that I'm going to give as much effort into this podcast as the Washington starter defense does on third down, and that's absolutely Zero. That's absolutely nothing. Of course, that's a joke because, you know, we're all about giving you quality over here at the Bleeding BNG podcast. I can't say the same for the Washington Commanders at this point, and it's getting very frustrating. But I was serious about this. This isn't going to be a long podcast at all because there wasn't really much to talk about with this game. I'm going to give you um, some of my thoughts. You know, we come hit with the hard-hitting raw analysis over here at Bleeding BNG, and I'm going to leave you guys um, going on for you guys this weekend. So to give you a timestamp as we do for every episode, it's about noon on Sunday. I think it's August 21st, so it's about... About, what, 20 hours after the Washington Commanders fell to the Kansas City Chiefs. So it gave me enough time to, you know, not 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 really overreact because it is a preseason game. So we do have to take these things with a grain of salt. But as I'll mention throughout this episode, it's some things that I've been seeing for years. Not even under the, just the Coach Rivera regime, but years for this organization. Um, things that haven't changed with defensive coordinators that I've mentioned before. Things that haven't changed with head coaches. Things that haven't changed with, with, with vice presidents. Whoever you want to name it. It seems like the fuck is still there. It seems like the fuck is still there. So, before I even get into all that, let's touch on the on-field product. Let's talk on the on-field product. So, I want to start with the first drive. Washington got the ball first. And guess who was the first person back there to return a kick? You know it, Antonio Gibson, the person that I told you would be returning kicks in May. He was the first person um, to return the kick, and I think that he looked, you know, pretty explosive. I think he got to about the 23-yard um, line, but he caught the ball like a natural, and it's something that he did in college, like I told you guys before. This is something that he he's, he's, he's doing. This is something that he's familiar with. Instead of taking him uh, from college and putting him into an unfamiliar situation or playing a, a, a bell cow running back role like we've done for the last two years, let's get him doing some things that he's more com- um, comfortable with, like uh, kick returning. I told you guys before, this was the nation's leading kick returner, number one. Not two, not top five, number one in kick return average. His last year at Memphis averaging 28 yards per kick. So if he's, uh, and he still has some of that explosion. Even if I've mentioned before, I don't think he has the same type of explosion. He's, 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 he's doing it at bigger. So imagine a 6'2", 230-pound uh, back coming down to you um, downhill with the 4'3", 4'4", speed that he has. Um, and, you know, he still has some of that explosion. He showed it in open space. Um, but we're going to have to work on um, finding ways to get Antonio Gibson um, the ball because the clear thing that came away from this game is that Brian Robinson is running back one, as he should be, as he should be. So let me touch with the first drive. I think that the first drive started out well. Brian Robinson, you know, toting the rock. I think he had a, a nine-yard carry um, within his first two carries and things like that. And I even mentioned, um, tweeted right away, I said, Brian Robinson just doesn't fall down. He doesn't go backward. It's almost like physics doesn't, physics doesn't allow him to. And it's kind of ridiculous because he seems like every single run, he's not, he's never, he's never going backwards. Even like a, a run when he's getting hit out of bounds, it seems like he's either going sideways or having that forward lean. And that's something that's essential for a running back, those hitting yards and things like that. And it's something that Brian Robinson has. Um, he kind of reminds me a bit of Arian Foster, to be honest. I don't know if he has the same um, lateral quickness, but just the just the innate ability to find holes and things like that. Um, with you know the upright running style, uh, I think both of those guys are about six two running backs. Um, so 
if we could get some Arian Foster type production out of Brian Robinson, Arian Foster wasn't a high draft pick. Uh, he was undrafted. Um, um, he was undrafted, but he turned out a heck of a career um, with the, his years as a Houston Texan. So I think I, I get shades of Arian Foster with Brian Robinson. He may run with a little bit more power. Like I said, I don't think he's as um, um, laterally quick as Arian Foster, but with the, you know the high running style, the forward lean, um, ways to navigate a hole. It was a power one. Um, and I think that might be the run when I'm mentioning that he got his nine-yard carry on, where you can see that he just cut back, cut behind, um, I believe it was Armani Rogers who was making the cut block, and it was beautiful after he was pulling from the left side. Um, and it just shows that he's been playing and running back for a while, something Antonio Gibson hasn't done. It's an innate ability that you have. I've always said that running back, quarterback, and middle linebacker have to come with an innate ability uh, that you don't. I'm, I'm not going to say that you were born with, but you have to be playing it for a while to have that ability, to have it be muscle memory, to have it come come as, you know, like at, at the top of the hat. Like, you, you know it. You know it. It's just instinct at that point. And it's just something that Antonio Gibson doesn't have. And Brian Robinson showed his entire skill set on that first drive. Um, and I know a lot of you guys were harping on. A lot of people said, uh, I think Brian Robinson had three three positive carries, and then Antonio Gibson came in, and it seemed like this, um, the drive stalled out once um, he ran his stretch run on second down. Um, but if we're being honest, there wasn't really a hole there. And, you know, we're the biggest Gibby critics over, um, or not not the biggest Gibby critics over in the Washington Commander community, but we hold Gibby to a high standard. And if we're being honest, um, Eli Wolf got blown up on that play. He got blown up out of play. Even Brian Robinson, who's a natural runner, he wouldn't have made much of that run, um, of that run as well. And if you look at Brian Robinson's counting numbers, you know, he only averaged 3.9 yards per carry, but the efficiency was there. There was a stat that said that five or six of his carries either went for five yards or first down. So when you're getting at least five yards, keeping your offense ahead of the sticks or moving the sticks by getting a first down, you're keeping the offense on schedule. And I think that's one of the reasons the offense stalled out because not only with that, um, you know, um, blown up run um, on that Antonio Gibson stretch play on the right, but the play before Curtis Samuel hit, I mean, um, Carson Wentz hit Curtis Samuel on a rollout for about four yards. I believe if he hit him a tad bit earlier, he could have potentially had a, a first down with Curtis, uh, Curtis's dynamic running ability and things like that. Uh, but he kind of hit him late while he was getting closer to the sideline. Curtis tried to make the best of what he could do with it. Um, so after, you know, that, that was on first down. So after that first down rollout for about four yards, it was second and six. I think Gibby might have even lost a yard on that play. So it turned out to be uh, third and seven. And this is something that I really wanted to point out. Um, I know a lot of people have talked about, um, while the national media has harped on, you know, how Carson may make some boneheaded plays and things like that. A lot of us in the Washington community, uh, Washington commander community, like to uh, point back to his low interception numbers and years on end and things like that. But as I cautioned you guys before, as I cautioned you guys before, with the, you know, um, regression in his interception numbers and things like that. That comes with him not taking as many chances as he did when he was playing with the Philadelphia Eagles, when he was an MVP candidate and things like that. Also, pairing with the fact that, you know, Jonathan Taylor was the best running back in the NFL last year and they ran the ball a lot. Carson did not take many chances. Um, going back and watching the film, he threw a lot of balls inside uh, where maybe not the DB is going to intercept it, but he's not giving his receiver the best chance to make a play and things like that. And I mentioned that because this is the second week that I saw it. Um, I didn't necessarily think that it was the worst ball to Armani Rodgers last week on the wheel route um, to start the drive against the Carolina Panthers. Um, but I think it could have been thrown a little more out there. And the same thing this week on the wheel route to Curtis Samuel um, on the last um, 
play of the first draft. Um, it was a 50-50 ball to 5'10", Curtis Samuel, who's my height. Trust me, I spent enough time with Curtis Samuel. This offseason, no. Like, we look, I look buddy into the eye. So you're throwing a 50-50 ball to him, and then you're throwing it to the inside where he has to, has to have a jump ball scenario and things like that. While it wasn't a bad read by any means, I don't think it was a bad read. It probably was the best throw Carson, the best read Carson could have made. He could have made a throw better. He could have put more in that throw. That throw has to be on the outside shoulder. The elite quarterbacks are getting it there. And I think that part of the reason that he threw it inside is because he buys into the narrative. I know I know he told Scott, Aver Scott Abraham he doesn't listen to things like that, um, doesn't listen to the outside noise and things like that. But it shows in his play. He's not as much of a risk taker um, as he was in prior years and things like that. Now, while it may come up in the most impromptu times, like two minutes left in the fourth quarter where you throw in a left-handed interception, it's not happening as often because he's not taking as many chances. And those are the results in the low interception numbers and things like that like that uh, but I mean it was an overall you know like I told you guys before I've never thought that Carson Wentz was a bad quarterback but I think that he's mid and I, and I think a lot of people get get confused with mid being like bad no mid is actually is, is short for middle mid is short for middle I think he's a middle of the pack quarterback, and he's done show, he's shown that in the in the in the uh, last first two preseason games. Um, he's shown that he's not capable. When you look at a guy like Patrick Mahomes on the other side of the field, Carson has just shown you at this point he can't make some of those same plays that that Mahomes is making. And don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. Patrick Mahomes is probably the best quarterback in the NFL. I'm not comparing him, but. He's making those plays 100% of the times. Even even middle-tier middle quarterbacks are making them at least 30% of the times. And I haven't really seen that 30 out of Carson yet. You see I'm getting riled up. I'm over here knocking my mic over. <laughs> but, I mean, Carson didn't play bad by any means. Um, but I do want to touch on the offense in the whole. Um, you know, we saw Carson um, connect with Terry on a nice timing route, on a dig route, on a third drive and things like that, their last drive. But then it stalls out um, when... We get to the plus side of the field, and I'm not even going to bash Carson because, and, and you guys know, we're Scott Turner advocates over here, but this is a tendency that he had last season that I'm seeing over the course of the last two preseason games. Why do you get so conservative on the plus side of the field? Scott Turner runs plays almost as if, he, as if, he, if he's running out of space. It really doesn't make sense to me. And then every third down play is a shot play, a big long developed play action play where we got all these jitterbugs at receiver. We're supposed to have all these dudes that's making you miss and receive at Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin. You saw Jahan Dotson have his first catch and get loose on that screen. He told you in that, and if you haven't seen his mic'd up um, training camp practice session, he said, if I get that, he told Montez, if I get that screen, I'm sliding. And he did slide. I love the, the um, yak um, ability he showed after, um, you know, um, the, the screen pass and things like that. He got inside, he read his blockers, got outside, and didn't get hurt or didn't get tackled. Longevity, showing the nuances that he already has at the receiver position as a rookie. So those are some positives to take out of it. But Scott Turner, bro, what are you doing? This was the same thing that you would do last season. Would you have a, 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 a run play on first down, go for two yards, and then you would run the ball again? This isn't the 70s, Scott. This isn't your dad's NFL, Scott. And we, I love you, Scott, because I, I, I think that you have the creativity that, 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 that's needed in today's NFL. But you haven't shown it yet. There's no reason why your best plays are coming on the opposite side of the 20. Like I said, if, if he, he runs plays like he's running out of space. 
It's almost as if he has no red zone concepts, end zone uh, plus out of the field, green zone concepts. If you don't know what the green zone is from the 40 to the 20, then we consider the red zone from the 20 to the, to the goal line. And it's really puzzling to me. It's really puzzling to me. You get conservative on first and second down, and then you want to call a shot play on third down, a long developing shot play. And, and have everybody talking about, and it's not even just with Carson, but I'm talking about, you know, Carson's last play of the game where he took the sack that knocked us out of field goal range. Nobody was really open. It was on cover two. Carson might have had the ability to take the check down, but he was looking the opposite way. I, I don't, And I, I'm the first one to call Carson Wentz mid, but I don't know what type of alien ability that you guys have that you think a guy's going to look this way and able to hit the check down here. But you know why the reason that he's looking there so long? Because it was a shot play. It's a long developing play. That check down is probably the last read in that route. And everybody's talking about all Vintage Carson and things like that. Now, granted, he probably could have threw the ball away instead of taking the sack. I agree with that. I agree with that. But that play call didn't put him in the best position. Let alone Sam Cosby jumping off, um, having a false start to have us in that third and 10 position, to have us in that third and long position. Offense is about being on schedule. That's why a running back like Brian Robinson, who's not going to lose yards, is so essential to an offense. That's why he's the RB1. You'll, you'll be fooling yourself if you think that Ryan Robinson is more explosive than Antonio Gibson. No, but his efficiency is allows him to be on the field. And I got another gripe because not even just with Scott Turner – in the post-game press conference, Ron Rivera is talking like he just realized Antonio Gibson being can be used in space. Like, he just realized that was a thing. That is so frustrating. That is so frustrating because that's literally with everybody. I'll give you guys credit in the Washington Commander community. That's literally what we've been saying for the last three years. And I'm getting so sick of this antiquated view from this coaching staff. I've mentioned how it shows when they, when they pick linebackers and things like that. They, they, they look at, you know, 1960-type downhill thumper-type linebackers that can't exist in today's NFL. That's why we can't pick a good one. They think guys like John Bostick and David Mayo can do it. And it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. And to close out the offensive performance, especially for the first unit, why are we so banged up already? Missing four of our starting offensive linemen? What are we doing in practices? What are we doing to rehab? Why are we so hurt already? Why? Why? And we better not be giving dudes veteran days off like we nice. Andrew Norwell's coming off one of the worst seasons of his career. Trey Turner the same. There's a reason why they're cast-offs. You guys are hoping they regain that form from Carolina. You guys are hoping and praying on that. Trey Turner hasn't played a football game since, since the pandemic started, bro. He hasn't practiced like... It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Shout out to Armani Rodgers, though. I think he has that fourth tight end spot locked up. I'm telling y'all right now, Armani Rodgers is fast. I saw it yesterday. Don't let him hit that stride. 
He got tackled. But 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 I mean he's a long strider for sure. Yeah, you know that six six frame. But this is a guy that set the NCAA record for a longest um, rush by a quarterback for 99 yards when he was at the University of Ohio. Slow guys ain't doing that. I don't care what level of football is on. If you slow, you're getting caught within 99 yards. So I like what I see from Armani Rodgers, and it's, we might have, the tight end room might be the best room in this, in this, on this team right now. Stop, stop selling me the bag of goods on that D-line. The tight end room might be the best room on this team right now. I just need Cole Turner and John Bates to come back healthy because all these guys are young outside of Logan Thomas. And they're built like monsters. So when I look at positives out of this game and for season outlook, it's coming out of the tight end room because, man, y'all know we were hyped for this season, but I'm getting frustrated. But it is preseason, so let's take it with a grain of salt. Let's take it with a grain of salt. Let's get to this defense. I'm going to let you know now. We should have left Jack Del Rio in Kansas City last night. If I heard that he boarded that plane, I'm going to be upset. And Coach Rivera, you told everybody that, this, that year three is the year of urgency, the year to get it done. Well, you're hitching your wagon to the wrong horses, my guy, because Jack Del Rio ain't it. He calls the most vanilla offense of all time. If you've ever heard Jay Gruden, listen to a Jay Gruden interview with Kevin Sheehan. He laughs whenever he brings up uh, Jack Del Rio because he knows his offense is ass. That's why we lift him up when he was coaching Oakland in 2017. Oh, you, he'd be like, Jack, 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 Jack really, you don't really draw nothing up crazy. And we're seeing it. And we're seeing it. You got the quarterback with the fastest release in the NFL, and you got your corners playing 10 yards off on the first play of the game. William Jackson just giving up an easy first down completion. On the first touchdown, it's go-to-go on the five-yard line. Kendall Fuller's playing six yards off. Please explain. Please explain. And I'm just talking about the secondary because guess what? The gap integrity issues that you were talking about last year with the D-line, they showed up yesterday. Montez was getting there. And I have a new nickname for Montez Sweat. Montez Sweat is the king of almost there. He's the king of almost there. It's almost like quarterbacks hitting with the with the guy, you know, the Geico commercial. Gotta be quicker than that. Like it's ridiculous how many fingertip sacks he gets. Finish the play. And I know a lot of people were telling me, because I posted it on, on Twitter, people were telling me, oh, it has a lot to do with the secondary. Well, guess what? I agree to an extent, but the great ones finish. The great ones find a way to finish. You think Miles Garrett has played with a great secondary all his life? No. Pittsburgh's quarterbacks are ass. TJ Ross set the sack record last season. With old ass Joe Hayden and whoever else you wanted to name. Stop making excuses. And this is one of the last things that like, I really want to touch base on. Because even while I love Doc Walker, even he did it yesterday. <coughs> oh, this is who we're facing the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. So is that supposed to be okay? It's supposed to be looking incompetent in it? Is looking incompetent against the league's best okay? And we're getting, what, participation trophies? Are we not here to be elite ourselves? I can't tell. I can't tell. Like, what are, what are we here for? 
What are you grinding all training camp for? To come lax. Cole Holcomb sucks. Cole Holcomb sucks. And I'm tired of y'all telling me how he was top 10 in the league in tackles last year. Somebody had to make the damn tackles. Jamin Davis wasn't doing it. He was our best linebacker last year. Yes, I agree. That's like being the tallest midget. There ain't no succeeding in that. There ain't no bragging points in that. And guess what? He hasn't been our best linebacker through two preseason games. That goes to Jamin Davis, who still isn't very good. But it's just preseason. So we expect all these things to get fixed in three weeks. Like I said, I don't want you guys to think that everything was horrible. The offense showed some flashes. We got to finish, though. This defense, though, I don't know, man. And I don't know if a Chase Young coming back off of ACL is, is, is enough to fix it. Go get you a third linebacker. If you're not going to do that, go get Landon Collins. You need as many impact players as you can have. He's one of your best defenders when you put him in his right position last year. Well, if you're not going to do that, fire Jack Del Rio right now. We'll get his change if you're making change with the wrong people. Got even our best players out there getting cooked. Cam Curl probably had one of his worst games. I've seen him play as a Washington Commander Redskins team member. Not even on a touchdown, because that was a dime by Patrick Mahomes. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not, I give it up when it has to give, be given up. He's the GOAT. He's nice. But we're fools to think that Cam Curl ain't get cooked by that tight end on the third and long that led to the first touchdown. But we giving people passes because we like them. I ain't, I ain't heard nobody talk about Cole Holcomb all his whole career. Like, what, what good has he done? Because he trucked Zeke that one time. Come on, dog. Come on, bro. Go look at him now. Go look at him trying to take on a guard. That man is holding his shoulders and his and his arms. Like, like that shit's hurting him already. It's preseason, bro. But it's the guy that I think can play middle linebacker, Jack. Ron. Linebackers. I don't really know what to say. I don't. I don't. Some other notes to touch on because I really didn't get to the back half of the roster. I think that Shaka Tony might be our, our designated pass rusher at this point. He has the best bend on the team by far. Almost had two sacks, but on his sack, go look at the dip move he exhibited on that sack. It was disgusting. Gerard Christian, former Washington member, bum ass, barely got a hand on him. It was filthy. He possesses some some speed off the edge that nobody else on this roster has. Unfortunately, Chase Young included. I didn't really think any other people flashed, honestly. De'Ami Brown struggled. 
And I know a lot of it, me initially as well. We're talking about how Sam um, Sam Howell kind of threw the ball short and things like that on that, you know, perceived, you know, Tar Heel connection that we all been looking for throughout the preseason. But when I saw Santana Moss mentioned it, and me having a receiver background as well, and then going back and looking at the play, the Army stemmed that route off horrible at the end, fading to the sideline. Sam could have probably threw that ball a little bit farther, but he put it in the right place. Because if the Army ran his route while he's supposed to, stacking the DB, the DB couldn't have made a play on the ball, or if he tried to, he would have ran through the Army's back, resulting in a pass interference. Deami Brown still can't get separation. I told y'all he wasn't fast last year when he ran that 4-4-5 unofficial time. So that means he's more running like a 4-5, 4-6 at the combine. But y'all didn't listen to me. Antonio Gibson did look good in space. He had a couple receptions. My favorite one wasn't even his longest reception where he did show, you know, some open field break tackle ability. But my favorite one was the one he ran out of the backfield um, that he caught on the sidelines, um, kind of lunging over to the sidelines. It wasn't the best throw by Taylor, but he made a beautiful play. And that's really it, man, because there really wasn't many positives to take from this game. But I know some of you are going to tell me it's preseason. It was the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm coming into this to be elite. I expected 11 wins. And just by chalking it up, by saying it's preseason, ain't going to get us there. It's not. So hopefully, I know Ron said they got about five padded practices. Today. They need to be cracking skulls, Greg Minuski style. Because I don't see the urgency. I don't see the fundamentals. I really don't see a lot right now. I don't. And the way Trevor Lawrence looked last night. Don't be shocked if we start 0-1 at the rate we go. So that'll do it for this episode of the Bleeding BNG Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you're checking us out on YouTube, be sure to comment, be sure to like, be sure to subscribe. We're loving the interactions. Y'all see the views boosting. You see the subscriber count boosting. Um, yeah, be sure to show us the love. Um, and we'll be sure to show you guys love back. We love chopping it up in the comment sections. Um, and we love seeing the support. I appreciate you guys for all your support. Be sure to follow our social media pages. The Twitter page is always going stupid. At this point, we we, 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 we Twitter kings over there. So go ahead and check us out over Humbly, humbly saying it. But you know, we stir the pot. We start a lot of conversations, predict a lot of things over on Twitter. So be sure to check us out over there. Matter of fact, we just did a giveaway with my man Luis Garcia from New Mexico won this inaugural towel. So I'll be shipping that out later this week. Um, but yeah, be sure to check out our Twitter at Bleeding BNG, B L E E D I N B N G. Our Instagram spelled a tad bit different B L E E D I N G B N G. So there's two G's in our Instagram handle. And be sure to just chop us up, chop it up with us. We're available on all podcast platforms at this point. And like I said, we're going to keep the content coming. We're going to give you more effort than the commanders are giving you right now. So I'll check in on you guys later. Peace.